Welcome everybody to the Doss and D Show and this is episode 106 and today we're talking all things dating with the ultimate power couple, Jiveny and Joe from datingforlove.com. Jiveny and Joe are a married couple who are both dating coaches and we were lucky enough to pick their brains on a number of different topics and get to hear the male and female perspectives on all of them. We talked about dating coaches and pickup artists and what the differences between the two are. They shared with us some great tips on how to approach a stranger and engage in conversation with them and the social cues that men and women use to let you know if it is acceptable or not to do so. We talked about red and green flags early on in relationships and how to have those difficult conversations when things start to get serious. As well as compatibility versus chemistry and how to identify the two. Jiminy gave us some great insight into what a good online dating profile looks like, especially from a woman's perspective, and Joe shared some hacks to get your profile up to scratch. We covered many more fascinating topics, but we don't want to give them all away just yet. Whether you're single, dating, in a relationship, or married, there's something in this podcast for you. So sit back and relax and get ready to improve your dating life with the help of the incredible couple, Jiveny and Joe. Welcome to the Doss and D Show. Smashing societal pressure and unlocking your secret ambition. Now Doss, are you ready for our next interview? Deep. I'm ready. Now let's go balls deep. Oh, Doss, you ready to dive into the world of dating again? Let's go. I love this topic. Let's do it. Well, we're on Zoom again. We're heading up to the Sunshine Coast, I believe. We've got Joe and Jiminy. Welcome, guys. Bye. Thanks for having us. Guys, we're super excited. Firstly, is the weather, I'm sure, a lot nicer up there than it is here in Melbourne or not? No, you picked a bad week. It has been raining way too much lately. I'm like, how is there still more rain in the sky? Well, Doss is actually heading up to the sun. Well, you're heading up to the Gold Coast in yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah, potentially up to the sunshine too. And they're heading up north on a little road trip, which would be nice. So hopefully the sun comes out when I'm around. Maybe you could bring some of that weather up with you. I know it's a sunny day today in Melbourne, right? Yeah, it was actually. Uh, yeah, that lasted about two minutes. Now it's um, cloudy and about to rain again. So, uh... Like I said, a sunny day in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So guys, do you want to give us a little bit of background on you, know, you guys individually and then we'll kind of dive into what today's all about? Sure. I'll go first. So um, I'm a dating and attraction coach. Uh, These days I specialize mostly in working with women. Bit of background. I also, I guess one of the reasons why I kind of fell into this area personally is both my parents are relationship therapists. So I've grown up with a lot of conversations around relationships growing up. And it's just a topic that really fascinates me. So it's a pleasure to work in this area. I find it so fascinating. And together we have a company called Dating for Love. Joe is our men's coach. Yeah, that's it. So I've been, you know, with Jiveny for six years and she's been dating coaching the whole time and, and I've been doing it as well. As, and it's a wonderful thing. I'm really lucky to have parents who actually studied relationships. You know, they, when they were raising us, they were reading books about how to be the best parents they could yeah. and all that kind of stuff. They wanted to sort of break the pattern, you know, of, of generations before. And I really feel like I've benefited a lot from that. And, you know, I've got what, what we call a secure attachment style. And so I want to teach other men how to have that kind of secure relationships with women. And I feel like there's just so much nonsense out there, myths and misinformation, even battle of the sexes kind of stuff. But, you know, we believe that relationships can be win-win and that's the best type of relationship when both parties are in it and getting a lot out of it. So, you know, really, I I love this work and I love helping guys, you know, connect with their vision for the future and communicate better with women and get better results with dating. What does an actual dating coach, the day-to-day entail? I know 
Jay, you were saying before, you know, you're only doing it a few days a week. What does the day-to-day look like, I guess, as a business model? And is it online stuff? Is it in-person stuff? Is it a lot of homework for the clients? What, what kind of style is it? Yeah, absolutely. So the sessions tend to go on a one-to-one basis. You know, we do them online most of the time. You know, sometimes when someone's nearby, you know, we might, might do face-to-face. But in the world of COVID, you know, it's all online. Yeah. Yeah, we tend to give some tasking, you know, some homework to, you know, things to focus on for the week. But really, you know, what we like to do is go through sort of a step-by-step process. You know, one of the first things we'll do as dating coaches is, you know, take a history, you know, understand what's holding them back. And then we'll start looking at, you know, how they're actually meeting people, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm working with men. So we'll look at, you know, are you going to where the women are? Are you, are you actually going out into the right kind of social spaces, looking at their dating profiles, updating that and also you know coaching them on how to how to like I said communicate with women in a more effective way you know show their true self and not put on a mask and hide themselves mm. and in terms of the the business side of it you know there's actually a lot behind the scenes isn't there's there, so much behind the scenes <laughs> for sure but pre-covid I because I actually started this business when we were living in Melbourne and for a, a lot of my clients are still in Melbourne so pre-covid I was traveling to Melbourne you know every two months and I do men's styling sessions in person I take them shopping help them find clothes that really work for them that kind of thing but yeah these days it's pretty much all online and so we also offer you know online courses you know because really there's two things we're doing we're teaching and we're coaching and you know when you're doing them both at the same time it can be it can be tricky in a one-to-one session so we do these online courses as well to do some of the teaching that, so we don't have to repeat ourselves with every single client. And then on the one-to-one sessions, we can really focus on the coaching, you know, mm-hmm. like a sports coach, like any kind of coach, getting the most out of them, giving them some strategies and some tasking so that they can really up their game. And how all the knowledge relates to them specifically. Like each client mm-hmm. is different. Mm-hmm. So that initial session, we really take the time to meet the client and to understand where they've come from, where specifically they've been struggling. For some people that might be can't get past a certain date. But other people, they can get into relationships fine, but they're not healthy relationships. So we spend more time with them focusing on how to develop their relationship skills, healthy mm. relationship skills, because there's just no relationship education out there that really mm. lays it out there. And a lot of us haven't had good role models to start with. So there's no wonder that a lot of us do struggle with relationships and can feel a bit confused about how to navigate them. Yeah, it's really interesting you say about the education side of things, because I think we saw like a bit of a trend where there was this whole movement of like the pickup artist Mm. and what they were teaching was obviously from a male's perspective, lots of girls, one night stands, these techniques of like, say peacocking and like, there's a weird kind of world to it, like a subculture. And, and I'm just, that's what you kind of see on the internet. So when, like for us, when we type in like dating coach, for example, this whole, like on TikTok, you'll see like pickups. And yeah. I'm just interested to hear what your opinion is on that kind of style. Yeah, absolutely. So our business is called Dating for Love. And the re- reason it's called that is because people are dating for all sorts of reasons, mm-hmm. right? Some people are dating to hook up. Some people are dating for validation. Yep. You know, some people are dating just for a free dinner. There's all these sorts <laughs> of reasons. And there's nothing wrong with any of that, you know. But when you're dating for love, you need a bit of a different strategy. And what we find is that, you know, a lot of this pickup artistry stuff, it's very outcomes focused and it's often very short-term focused. So it's the opposite. You know, it's this short-term hookup kind of thing, whereas we're focusing very much on the, on the long-term. So what we encourage all our clients to do is rather than focusing on the outcome within a date, you know, particularly at first, 
focus on the connection. Mm. Build the connection first and then bring the romance or escalate the romance. And so, you know, the pickup artistry community is actually coming at it, a lot of them from the, from the other side, you know, yeah. it's saying, look, you know, practice some lines, puff up your chest, groom yourself and, and then just go out there and just get... Be an alpha. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and get rejected a hundred times and get yeah. used to rejection. And, and look, you know, it, it is important to, to be okay with rejection without your whole world deflating. But, you know, if, you're, if, if the goal is to create a connection, if you're actually wanting a longer term thing, then rehearsed lines is not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's, what is going to do that is getting to know someone. And a lot of pickup artistry and a lot of guys make the mistake of objectifying women. Mm. You know, women are sick of being seen as sex objects. So, mm. so one of the best things you can do to connect with a woman is to subjectify her, get to know her, mm. find out what she's interested in, find out what she thinks about things, what are her, her dreams are for the future. And it's the completely opposite approach, but it's completely the right approach if you want to build a connection with her. I love that. About connection, I guess. How is the best way, Jimmy? You might be able to answer this one. It's how how do you get to that level of connection? Because on the surface, it can be hard, especially if we use the term vulnerability. Like, in my opinion, connection is seeing past someone's mask. And I feel like in dating, I, I now have a partner, but I dated for a little bit, and it takes that couple of dates before you uncover that mask. What should people be looking for when you can feel a connection, or is it just false? connection? Well, first of all, I think it's really important to assess our expectations because I find so often people go on first dates in particular and they're going on it like they think the first date is about deciding does this have potential to be a relationship or not? This is if you're looking for a long-term partner, obviously. Yeah, a lot of people go into that first date and they're trying to make a decision straight away based on that first impression. And you're right, building a connection takes time. The other mistake I see people make when they're planning first dates is, especially when they're coming from online dating, we also have to adjust for that and recognize that online dating is kind of a synthetic um, way to meet people. And so we need to adjust our expectations. So a lot of people, I think in many ways, like movies and kind of American culture has glorified this fantasy of a first date being like a really romantic thing like you go to a restaurant or a wine bar and I think the problem with that is it's a very romantic environment and so you're going in cold you're going in from maybe just seeing someone's dating profile having a little bit of a chat online to all of a sudden you're in this very romantic situation and of course there's a big gap between where you are and the romance, right? And that can be quite jarring. So instead, something that I really recommend people do is when it comes to the first day, really just focusing on building that connection, not the romantic connection first, but just a basic level of connection. And then over time, you want it to have space to grow into a romantic connection. Mm. So for example, for a first date, rather than going to a romantic location like a bar or a restaurant, instead just going for a walk and I think one cool thing about COVID is it's really normalized that. Mm. And it's funny, like watching Bridgerton, it just reminds me of how <laughs> old school that is, like for a first date to go on a promenade. And what you're doing there is instead of falling into the trap of trying to impress your date by taking them somewhere nice and paying for them and like, you know, flashing yeah. things around, trying to impress them. The art of a promenade is you're just showing up and you, all you're bringing is your presence and your time and your willingness to, your curiosity, your willingness to get to know someone. And the beauty of that is it's a much better place 
to explore building that connection because there's no distractions. And it's like, here I am, here you are, let's get to know each other. I love that. Looking at your website too, it's clear you've worked with people of all ages, which is really cool to see. Our predominant audience are the 20-somethings. So having a look at that sort of focus for the people we talk to, our friends, the people who listen, who write in, there seems to be this anxiety around firstly finding a partner by a certain time. Obviously, women feel that they may need to find a partner sooner to have kids, a body clock. For men's, our friends at least seem to be a bit more laid back on that. But then there's that flip side of settling for the wrong person that doesn't really, they may tick a couple boxes, but the majority of them, they don't. And there's this false time clock we all have of getting married and career and settling down. So what are some of the issues you guys sort of run into in that age bracket? Yeah, I see a lot of women who are in their mid to late thirties and who are really stressed by that, Yeah, um, which is a complicated place to start because of that time pressure. And it's like, I really got to find someone now. One thing for anyone who is in their 20s listening to this, like what I often see from working with those older people is they've fallen into the trap of thinking that relationships will just happen to us. So I don't really have to worry about it. I'll focus on my career. I'll focus on other things. And one day it'll just magically happen. Mm -hmm. And often the relationships that they have had, they're just based kind of on an intuitive feeling, which can sometimes be misleading. There's a whole psychology that we could go into around that. But just recognizing that relationships aren't something that just happened to us. And there are things that we can do. And so when you're younger, it's really important to be aware of that so that you're not, you know, waking up later and feeling this immense pressure on you because it is really difficult. Yeah. I think your early 20s are just such a great time to go out there and experiment, you know, just see what you like. Try all sorts of different relationships because if you don't start gathering those experiences then you know you might get to your 30s and you don't actually have a lot of different experiences to measure by you know or an idea of what you do and you don't like and so i think it's completely natural you know to use your especially your early 20s just to just to meet different sorts of people and date different sorts of people and use that to, as sort of feedback to fine tune your preferences and then you know by the time you get into your late 20s or your 30s and you start to think okay now i want to get bit more serious about this and maybe find something a bit more long-term, you know, you've got a huge head start by actually having those kinds of experiences. So I'd say, you know, don't, don't delay, you know, get out there and, and, and have some fun, meet some people. Yeah, for sure. Do you see it all, because this is a bit of a contradictory kind of question. Do you find that people, they want love and they want to define someone to spend their life with, but can it be possible to also be scared of it too? Like absolutely, almost you want it, but wait a second, when it becomes real, it's like, holy shit, run, run, run away. Like um, that's probably, you know, we hear the term ghosting, you know, or love bombing. People will just be head over heels for someone and be more, like you say, wine and dine and spend so much time together. Out of nowhere, they just give no contact whatsoever. I'd love to hear your thoughts around that. Yeah. So the simplest kind of explanation for that you've touched on is attachment styles which comes from psychology and it was originally developed around understanding children's attachment to their mothers. But as that research developed, they realized this is actually really applicable for adult romantic relationships too. So just as a brief flyover for anyone who hasn't heard of this before, there are three main attachment styles and I kind of see them on a spectrum. So at one end of the spectrum, we have kind of what you just explained, which is the avoidant attachment style. So these people want intimacy 
pregnancy, but they're also kind of terrified of it. And they often also associate it with feelings of like suffocation when they start to get close to someone. Mm. So they're the ones who tend to send mixed messages because they'll take a couple of steps forward and then two steps back. That's important to be aware of if you have that because avoidance will sabotage intimate relationships by using what we call distancing strategies. And often this is unconscious, but they're unconsciously sending out these signals that are pushing people away or keeping them at arm's length. So it's very hard for them to have uh, intimate relationship without working on that. But, you know, knowledge is power. So if you can identify that that's your attachment style, there is work that you can do to move through that. Mm. At the opposite end of the spectrum, we have the anxious attachment style. So anxious people, if avoidance run away from intimacy, anxious people run towards intimacy. And sometimes they can put people off because they can appear to be quite needy and, as the name goes, anxious, right? So these are the people who um, will often, you know, be texting anxiously to follow up. But in contrast to the avoidance distancing strategies, anxious attachment styles tend to have what we call protest behaviors so when they feel frustrated for example if they feel like you've been ignoring them then they'll often protest that by ignoring you back so if you took like a couple of hours to respond to their text and that pissed them off they might wait like twice as long to respond to your text yeah so that's also not healthy that's not going to result in a healthy relationship so also helpful to know if that's your tendency and i do like to use the word tendencies because none of this is set in stone Mm. we can change our attachment styles and also our attachment styles can change depending on who we're in a relationship with Mm. so you might find that generally you're pretty secure which is the third attachment style the third main one there are a couple of others but these are the most common ones So secure attachment styles are the healthiest in relationships. They don't get too caught up in reading into things or overthinking things like an anxious person would. They're not afraid of intimacy like an avoidant person is. Pretty even keeled. So Mm. ideally, if you have a avoidant or a anxious attachment style, you're best off getting into a relationship with someone secure because they're going to make you feel safer and they're also going to teach you how to become more secure through that experience. Mm -hmm. Yet so often it's the avoidant and the anxious that get together because there's that polarity. Because the avoidant person is running away, the anxious person's quite comfortable chasing them. I gotcha, yeah. So does that apply to you then if if two people are of the same, so there's two anxious or two avoidant, what happens? Is that a sort of perfect storm or is that just recipe for disaster? So it doesn't happen as often because there isn't that polarity there, but it can happen. So sometimes if you had, for example, two avoidant people get together, one person would tend to become extra avoidant and then the other one would start to show signs of being a bit more anxious. Mm. I know mentioned it earlier, but would be interested to know what does the term ghosting actually mean? Because it's very common and it's happened to a few of my friends, something that it's very common, which is really sad. But what is it exactly for someone that's listening and goes, well, maybe this happened to me, but I'm not sure what it actually is. Yeah. So in the old days of dating, you know, there wasn't actually very much opportunity to go around dating strangers. You know, the people that you would meet, this is only 30 or 40 years ago, you'd meet them at school, work, church, you know, community places. They're friends of friends. Whereas all the new digital technologies and digital dating have enabled us to date strangers, to find complete strangers that we never would have met otherwise and to meet them. And so it would have been a lot harder to do what we call ghosting back in the old days because, yeah. you know, your friends would be like, why haven't you got in touch with so-and-so? So for those who don't know what ghosting is, ghosting is basically going on a date and then disappearing, never to be heard of again 
like a ghost. And it's a terrible thing to do to someone because, you know, the other person's there thinking, I don't get it. We had a great time together. You know, I bought, bought them dinner and then, you know, just nothing. And so here's the thing. Not everyone is compatible. And that's, that's just a thing about statistics, you know. It's never going to work out for absolutely everyone. And so there's going to be probably more dates you go on that aren't compatible than there are that are going to be compatible. But still, ghosting and disappearing without a trace is quite a mean thing to do. It leaves a nasty taste and also a bit of uncertainty for the person who was ghosted because they're thinking, well, it's been two or three days. I haven't heard anything. Have they ghosted me or are they just taking a long time to get back? And it sort of leaves this anxiety in the air. So one thing I recommend, especially with my male clients, is to send a text, you know, essentially saying, hey, had a wonderful time with you. Don't think this is going to go anywhere romantic. All the best with your dating journey. I call it the ghost busting text because, <laughs> you know, the, the temptation is there just to disappear without a trace and maybe that feels easier. And, you know, for the person getting this text, you know, it might, might hurt. They might feel a bit rejected. But at the same time, it's kind of like ripping the Band-Aid off, right? It's, it's done. And they're not in this lingering anxiety wondering, you know, what happened. It might sting for a bit, but okay, I, you know, I can get on with it. Sure. So I really encourage my clients to do that and to take ownership of that rather than just disappearing because I think there's a lot of ghosting going on and I think it's causing a lot of mistrust between mm. men and women who have, you know, experienced this and, uh, you know, causing stereotypes about whole genders in, in the, you know, and, and maybe even sabotaging people's attempts to go on and having trusting relationships in the future. Mm. I'm really kind of interested in hearing both your perspectives on this. And that's, you know, you mentioned Joe about meeting people, you know, they used to, it used to be through friends of friends. Now there's that sort of stranger element of online, but where's the line when it comes to meeting strangers, say in the street, so say on a walk in a coffee shop, you know, in a maybe, bar. maybe not so much a bar because a bar is probably more acceptable, but in those like daytime environments, is that something you encourage your clients to do? And like, even as a woman, Jiminy, how would you feel or, or did you feel if you'd be approached by a man at a coffee shop that's, for lack of a better term, hitting on you? Is that acceptable? Like, I'm really interested to yeah. hear what, where you guys feel about that. So I'll throw in, um, we actually met on a tram. Oh, perfect. The 86. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I think Love a lot it. of people are feeling what I call online dating burnout. Like when you've been dating online for a while, you can get really burned out. And especially pre-COVID, I was very big about offline dating strategies. I think like often women do want to connect with people in day-to-day -day life, but we don't want to make the first move. But also I understand like as men, you don't, you don't want to make a woman feel uncomfortable, yeah. which is really considerate and I think really good to be aware of. So using our story as an example, like what I suggest my female clients to do is what I call signaling. And so when we uh -huh. met on the tram, Joe hopped on, I was already on the tram. It was late one evening and, um, I was looking at him across the tram carriage. So I was giving him that signal. And then he felt me looking at him. He turned and saw me and I smiled at him. So the signals are there. It's not just that he's mm. like walking up to me and, you know, trying to get my attention. Like mm. that can be a bit more pickup artistry. I gotcha. think pickup artists tend to say like, just pick a random woman and interrupt her and, you know, say these lines to her mm. as opposed to what we teach is for the women send out those signals and making them more aware of that because it is quite common for 
all of us really to get stuck in our routine and to be staring at our phone when we're on public transport and that kind of thing. So I really do encourage the women I work with to see everywhere as an opportunity. And that's certainly how I approach dating myself. Like I met Joe on a tram. I've met other men <laughs> on a street or <laughs> in a grocery store or um, at the airport, you know, like yeah. if you're willing to be open, put those signals out there. And as men, if you see those signals, like be willing to have that connection. Yeah. And I think for men, you know, there can be a lot of anxiety about the kind of stuff that you should say, you know, mm. should you go, go in there and say something clever or whatever? I mean, I think I said, Hey, what have you been up to tonight? You know, it was, it was pretty simple stuff, you know? And, and I think, you know, a really safe thing for guys to, to bring up is, is something in the shared environment, mm. you know? So for example, if you are at a cafe, you know, you can just talk about, you know, the specials or you can, you know, if you're in the shopping line, you know, you can just talk, no one likes being a queue, right? So you can just make a joke about, you know, yeah. how they charge so much at this particular shop or something. Yeah. You know, just something related to the environment, the shared environment. It doesn't feel like it's overwrought or overworked. It's just natural. And, you know, she kind of knows what you're doing anyway. It's not, not like you need to make it too clear and go, hey, honey, you know, <laughs> just, you can just be natural and just connect with her and, and just see where it goes. So from there, from from that moment, then how do you actually, well, firstly, you might be able to share what not to do, but also how do you actually go from, okay, having a polite conversation to then escalating to a, to actually either making your intentions clear or getting a phone number or taking the next step? So the important thing is throughout whatever interaction. So maybe you've seen a signal or maybe you're just breaking that ice. So I think with that initial comment, saying something mundane like it's cold outside or it's crowded in here, like it's not necessarily going to lead to a conversation, but you're always looking for feedback and you're looking for how they respond to you. So that woman is either going to be like, yeah, huh? And like, look away. And that's the negative feedback. Yeah. Or she's going to turn to you and be more engaged. And that's a sign that you can keep going. But mm. the whole process, it is important to pay attention to her body language and the feedback that you're getting. Does she seem comfortable? Yeah, just go ahead and ask her for a number at the end, you know. You've only been chatting for a couple of minutes, but she kind of knows that you're chatting with her because you think she's a bit interesting and she's kind of responding to you that way because she's open to it, you know. So if you go ahead and complete it, ask her for a number, she's going to respect your courage for doing mm. that, you know, whereas if you don't, she'll be like, huh, I thought he might have asked, you know. So often that's the story, right? So often the woman's like, that was weird. Why didn't he ask? Don't worry, I'll go the flashbacks through my head right now of every time a woman's looked at me before is, and I'm like, great, missed opportunity. Well, <laughs> we always have a laugh. There was a time probably last year where we were out somewhere and I, a girl was looking at me and I was looking at her and I was like, oh, well, this is, oh, the signals were there. Yeah. So I went over and it just bombed. And what was the uh, quote that I, I let off with? At the, at the time I was working at a plant nursery and we were talking about careers and work or whatever. And I just said, well, if you want to know anything about horticulture, I'll just be sitting over there. Uh, <laughs> 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 it tonight. I was like, that's all right. It's fine. I'd be interested. So we've got the in-person dating style or you know, I guess the approach outside of online dating. Do you think online dating and like you said earlier about how often we're on our phones and mm -hmm. is it now because we're so strapped to these devices that in general, right, and people in the street, I, I, I get quite frustrated when 
you try and say hello to someone or give someone a wave or, or someone doesn't say thank you or please or and I find it's because of technology because we are so absorbed or he hates it when he's on a run and someone's got the headphones in and scares them like is that an issue why when if, if a male might approach a female or vice versa is it because we are so oh this is strange this is different this is unusual I don't know how to react like because that's what I've found approaching like that maybe it's because I'm we're only used to the online world I had headphones in when you approached me in the tram. I was listening to music, but I had my eyes up. Okay. And one thing too, like I think humans are very aware of when they're being looked at. Yeah. Which you can, can use to your advantage. So even if someone's looking at their phone or something, if you stare at them for a moment, make sure you follow it up with a smile when they look at you <laughs> so that you're bringing the warmth and the friendliness, not stalker vibes. But again, that goes down to signaling. I, I agree it is frustrating sometimes just how absorbed people in general. I've definitely seen that increase in like the last 10 years but yeah using that fact that people are going to feel when they're being looked at and being warm and it's not necessarily a deal breaker if she or he or anyone has um headphones in as long as you're getting that feedback of if you make eye contact is she like turning away and avoiding you or is she smiling back at you yeah and guys you know if she she's giving you a smile that's about as much of a hint as she's going to give you. You know, a lot of guys, you know, are concerned about approaching women, especially in this whole Me Too era, but they're not going to walk up to you and, you know, and come and say, I mean, girls will do that sometimes, but in the vast majority of cases, a smile is the sign. That's the sign that you're looking for. And if, if, you, if it's a second smile, then it's basically like, come and talk to me. Yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> I'm interested and maybe you both can give a couple of do's and don'ts for online dating profiles. So... Maybe, Jiminy, you talk about the women's side of things and Joe, you can talk about a male's and, and you know, the, what to do and what not to do and what may attract the opposite sex. The biggest frustration I hear from women who are looking for men on dating apps is most guys don't write anything on their dating app. And so particularly with Bumble where women have to make that first move, they're like, I don't know how to even start a conversation with him because he's given me nothing to work with. Mm. So I think when thinking about what you're going to put on your dating profile, think about it in terms of a jumping off point. You're not going to be able to convey everything about yourself, but you want to plant some seeds that could lead to icebreakers and conversation starters. So number one, don't is don't leave it blank. Be aware of that. Good one. Yeah. There's, uh, there's plenty of tips for guys in terms of photos because typically guys' photos absolutely suck. Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are in a real rush <laughs> to just set up their profile. You know, they've downloaded, they just want to get to the swiping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, whatever, just put that photo up, you know, selfie, yeah. da, da, da. And so there's been a lot of research actually into, you know, the kinds of pictures that are more effective than others. And so a couple of easy ones are no bathroom selfies. In fact, Try, no gym selfies. Try, yeah, try to avoid the selfies. Keep your clothes on. <laughs> you know, try to try to get someone else, you know, to yeah. take the photo, which kind of it's good. It shows you have a friend, you know, who's like willing to take a picture. Um, <laughs> it's a good start. <laughs> <And yeah>. Social. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Try to not put up pictures of you with sunglasses on, um, because they they can't see your eyes. You know, they want to see your friendly eyes so that you're you know they can see you're a safe, friendly, approachable guy. Put your shirt on. You know. <laughs> Same for the same reason, yep. safe, friendly, approachable guy. So keep your shirt on. You can always take it off later. And uh, yeah, and the other thing is try to go for higher resolution photos, like find mm. some decent shots. This is a visual first impression. So it does make a difference. You know, the same guy 
could look totally different with some dingy, you know, photos, you know, in some back alley compared to some nicely taken photos in a, on a, you know, a good day with some good lighting, good smile, you know, that kind of stuff. All of that indicates, you know, friendliness and warmth. And, and that's what's going to get her to go, hmm, this guy looks really approachable. I'm, I might give him a message. Yeah. And just on that, research suggests too that for men, the optimum number of pictures on your profile is around three, possibly four, but you want quality over quantity because particularly, you know, the women that a lot of men are interested in get so many, such a volume of matches, right? So as they're going through, they're looking Mm. for any excuse just to discount. So Mm. if you've got six photos, she might've liked your first four, but then the last two something put her off and then she swipes left on you. So also just paying attention to quality over quantity. Yeah. Another thing, you know, which is less about the photos and more about what you actually have written, you know, going back to what we have written on our on our dating profile, try to focus on the positive. You know, a lot of people decide they want to talk about what they don't want. You know, I don't want any drama. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't want any troublemakers. I don't want this. I don't want that. But that is a strategy that actually pushes people away. So instead, try to focus on what you do want. Say, I want someone to go and surf the coffee shops of Melbourne with me, you know. I want someone to go on a hike with, you know, I'm looking for this kind of thing rather than I'm not looking for this or that. Mm. How about paying for apps? Like, because for some reason I've found it's almost like where some people are embarrassed to kind of say I'm looking for love and I'm I'm using online dating. I think it's a like the old school, even I think a few years back, I remember someone saying, why can't you just go and meet someone out? But I know so many people that are in who are married now and like in very happy relationships because of online dating. Why do we, why is some people disgruntled or look down? Like some people go, oh, you're paying for the apps, whereas the stigma around it. Yeah, I think some people, particularly people who haven't online dated, right, who have been in a relationship for 10 years or whatever, I think that's just their stuff and I wouldn't take that personally. I don't think there's anything wrong with paying for the apps. I think often I do suggest, so for example, with the women I work with, if they're using Bumble, maybe they want to pay for the incognito feature. Maybe there's specific features that those apps offer that can just make your experience a little bit easier and a bit more comfortable for you. So I don't think there's anything wrong with paying for it. There is also the idea that that people who pay for it are more serious about mm. dating and love. So if that's something that you're serious about, it could actually give you better options. Well, it's worked for worked for us. Well, I pay, <laughs> I paid for Hinge and I'm in a relationship now. So All right. there Woo-hoo. you go. Yeah, we're not in a relationship together. Let's make that No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We do live together, but we are, we're housemates, podcast, business partners. So yeah, we'll yeah. make that clear. I, I'm interested too. And I've heard, I, I saw Jiminy, you, you do a speech on YouTube. It was really good. And you're talking about, I think it was your journey prior to meeting Joe. And you're talking about red flags. I'm interested. Can you probably bring up a few clear red flags that people should look out for when, you know, the early stages of dating? I want to preface this with the most important thing to consider when you're looking for red flags is, is it a pattern? Because sometimes there are perfectly legitimate reasons for human behavior. So, for example, if you're on a first date and your date's running late, some people will be like, oh, red flag. He doesn't respect my time. But he might, he or she or whoever, um, might have a perfectly good reason for why they're late. But if it's a pattern over time, then that would be a red flag for sure. So always keeping in mind, is it a pattern or is it a one-off thing? There are so many different red flags (laughs) about, but... You're talking about being late. I think it all comes back to, you know, having respect and, you know, being a respectful person. So 
you know, for example, um, being indiscreet, going on and, and you know, ranting about your ex and what a, what an awful person they were. Yeah. It's, it's not a very tempting sort of, you know, thing. You know, I go, well, if I get into a relationship with this person, what are they going to say about me? So, you know, if someone's consistently being indiscreet and judgmental about others, you know, I think that could potentially be a red flag. I think the bottom line too that it kind of all comes back to is considering do I feel safe with this person? Yeah. Do I feel safe to be alone with this person in particular? Like that's the biggest red or green flag I think to consider when dating. Say a guy and a, a girl who have been dating, they've been on half a dozen dates, it's going really well and the chemistry is just amazing. They get along like a house on fire, you know, they have great sex together, it's all going really well, they really like each other but there's some key things that don't lie and, and compatibility. And the, I guess the comparison between chemistry and, and compatibility and what is necessarily more important than the other or how do we combine the two? Do our values align? How, how do you go about a situation like that? I love that you have brought that up because you're right. It's such an important thing to consider when dating. And dating does take time. It takes time to get to know someone. And you mentioned... Um, vision and values. Uh, in our book, that's the biggest thing that we say you've got to pay attention to when you're choosing a life partner are those big questions. And in particular, one that I see a lot of us millennials struggling with is do I want kids or don't I? Because mm. plenty of people are on either side of that fence and they can fall in love with each other and then it just becomes an incompatible challenge to surmount. And so I think, look, don't talk about that on the first date. <laughs> I think this is more of like, a fourth or a fifth date kind of conversation, but it is important to kind of feel that out early on, particularly if kids is something that you absolutely want because it's really painful to be in love with someone. You can't change their mind and nor should you. I think if you want to have children, you should want to have children. No one should be forced into that. Mm. There's been research into conflict in relationships. You know, there's going to be conflict in relation in every relationship. So, you know, a really key part of that complementarity is the ability to resolve conflict and to deal with stressful situations in a way that doesn't bring out the worst behavior. And, you know, it's, it, the relationship is still intact by the end of it. But they, th there was some research in the 60s done around this, uh, suggested that 69% of conflict in relationships is irresolvable. Right. Okay. You're going to resolve it, right? It's, it's just points of difference. And so the key thing around this you know, values question is to make sure that those irresolvable conflicts are going to be about small things that don't really matter. You know, like, for example, Jiveny, she just clutters up her computer screen with so many tabs and I just can't bear it. You know, every time I look at her computer, I'm like, why do you live? How can you do this? You know, this is un, un, you, you can't find anything. Yeah. You know, look at my browser. There's there's two tabs open. You know, this is. But and every time he uses my computer, he like makes it full screen and I can't handle it. I'm like, where are my tabs? Right. <laughs> but it's not a big deal. Right. You know, at least we're not arguing about like where we should live. Or, you know, whether we should have mm. kids or, you know, what we should do with our money, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and so as long as you're aligned on those big ones, then I think, you know, you, you've got a lot better chance long term in terms of compatibility. How do you actually bring up that kind of conversation? Because I think that's just like we've all just said, like is it's such a pattern that people find. And you guys mentioned working with a lot of people in their sort of 30s who may have gone through a long term relationship in their 20s and then may have ignored the compatibility section. So how do you actually start that conversation? And you said there's some stuff that are irresolvable. Yeah, how do you actually begin? Or is it just to a stage where you just have to make the harsh decision to break it off? 
I think a good starting kind of question is like, where do you see yourself in three to five years? Yep. Because that way you're not going hot and heavy about do you want kids or not? Yeah. <laughs> do you yeah, want yeah. marriage or not? But just like opening that up and letting, seeing where they go because they'll start talking about the things they value most because that'll be what's, you know, most front and center in their mind. And so I think that's a really good place to start at least. Mm. And there's a good power in that conversation too because you can start to co-create it. Mm, right. Yeah. You know, so if one of one one of you starts suggesting, well, in five years, you know, I was thinking of maybe doing this or that, the other one's like, Well, yeah, that aligns with me. But also, what if it looked like this? And you know, you can actually yeah. start building that out together. Yeah. yeah. If you have that shared value, your shared vision for your life that you've started to build together, then you know, there's a lot of commitment behind that because it's so aligned, you know, from both of you. It's a good so, starting point. The way I've been thinking about it over the last probably say 12 months, like looking for a partner, I've been almost saying to myself, like, cause we're big into sport, right? Like looking for my, like a teammate, a really good teammate. And if, if you're in a team, the only way to win is by using each other's strengths and learning off each other's strengths. So my strength with D's strength, we, we're going to hopefully win. Like it's not just one person's way or the highway kind of thing. How have yep. you found found that when people have to maybe, I want this thing, she wants that thing, but it, it really is working. How do I, how do we meet in the middle? Where, where's a good leveling point? So first off, I, I love that you have that philosophy of teammates and teamwork. I think it's really healthy and important if you're looking for a long-term relationship to approach it as a partnership. You know, you're in this together. There's also research behind from uh John Gottman's work around he could predict whether or not couples were going to make it for the long haul based on one factor in particular, which was what he calls influenceability. And so what that means is as a couple, do they make decisions together? Do they consult each other? Are they influenced by each other? Um, if one of them's a tyrant and is like my way or the highway, there's no influenceability. If someone gets a job offer in another state and they just say yes or no without even discussing it, that's probably a hint that they don't see the relationship as a partnership. Mm, that's a great answer. Amazing chat. There's so much more we could speak to you about, but I'm sort of, as we sort of get towards the end, for people to kind of work with you guys, like what tends to be the mindset of a person that says, hey, I really need a dating coach or, or for people that are struggling and haven't even considered a dating coach, why is it a good option? Yeah, I want to say too, I think so often a so many people are scared of reaching out for help because they think that it means that there's something wrong with them. Mm. And all of our clients are normal, you know? Yeah. Like in the sense that we're all individuals and we all have our different quirks and wounds and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, being human is a massive wide spectrum. And recognizing that generally that we haven't had this relationship education, we haven't had healthy role models. And I just see so many people beat themselves up and tell themselves, well, I should know this. And it seems like everyone else I know has it all figured out. So there must be something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And that story we tell ourselves, there must be something wrong with me can be really damning. So I just want to put that out there for anyone who is maybe feeling that way. I just think there, there are tools and resources out there and that's really what our mission is to help support and empower people in relationships and to teach those skills. I want you to know that relationship skills and dating skills can be learned. Do you actually continually work with clients after they find their partner and they're in a relationship or even marriage? Do you work with couples? 
Yeah, I've had some clients who we have check-ins every now and again whenever they feel mm-hmm. like once they're in a relationship. I haven't really worked with their partners, but I think sure. because we were working together before they got into the relationship, they feel safe. And sometimes, yeah. you know, there might be a transition in their relationship that they may be a bit worried about or unsure how to navigate and they'll reach out and they'll continue to provide that support. And yeah. I think that's really cool to see the journey evolve. How did it How did it kind of go... Two dating experts coming together. Yeah. What are the, what are, I guess are, the, are your pillars in your relationship? You know, mm. uh, like two people that are both experts in their field. How has that been? Oh, uh, we just live and breathe this stuff. I mean, we love it. You know, it, it's kind of tragic, actually. We're talking about it on date night. I mean, so what, we do practice what we preach. We have a weekly date night, right? So every single Wednesday night, that's our date night. And, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity to go out there and just celebrate our uh, relationship. But we end up talking about this stuff, you know. That's what we do on our on our time off, and so we're constantly studying, we're constantly building upon, you know, what we can offer, and you know, developing our skills. I think at the heart of it, we actually just think it's fascinating. Like relationships are so important, and it's not just intimate relationships where this matters. You know, all of life is about relationships, whether it's work or family or friends. We're just so into it, and, and understanding what makes it work and what doesn't make it work. And really, you know, we feel like you can distill it down to, to a certain number of things, you know. So, for example, a great relationship is one where you have trust, where you can trust that the other person is going to be reliable, they're going to show up when they say they are, uh, they're going to do what they say they're going to do. And they're loyal, you know, they're loyal to you, even to the point of protectiveness, you know, they're protective of you and protective of the relationship. I think, you know, also the, the ability to have those hard conversations and to resolve conflict in a healthy way. The ability to talk about your vision and co-create that vision for the future, to talk about your values, the ability to affirm each other. And this is a thing that particularly men struggle with a lot in their relationships, you know, with other men. You know, so affirmation is a thing that comes quite naturally to women and, and female friendships in the world out there. Like, oh, sister, your hair looks amazing today. It's like, thanks, I know. You know, that kind of thing. Whereas for guys, there's just a lot less of that. And so affirmation is such an important relationship skill. And a lot of guys only really get that from their intimate relationships, Mm. which is a bit sad because, you know, guys need it. Guys crave it, that affirmation, that feeling like their contributions are valid, you know, their efforts are going noticed, are being noticed. That's an important cornerstone of an an intimate relationship, you know, being affirmed by, by my wife, for example, but I think, you know, also just in terms of relationships in general, bringing more affirmation to male relationships is such an important thing. And, you know, a lot of my mates, you know, I'm always telling them how amazing they are. And the interesting thing is when you do affirm other people, when you, you know, when a man affirms other men, what ends up happening is they start affirming you back. So it creates mm-hmm. a virtuous cycle. Mm-hmm. And so by actually doing that, you know, and, and getting over the cringe factor or whatever it is, the vulnerability probably that, that, holds men back from doing that you know and and actually just getting in there and affirming the people around you can be really really powerful in all sorts of relationships it's amazing i love it's just great advice yeah Yeah. you guys are you guys are awesome i've had such a great time chatting with you both what courses do you guys currently offer and how do people get involved with you guys and your social media plugs and all the good stuff yeah for sure so our website is dating for love our women's course run by me is called the alchemy of attraction and Joe runs the men's course called The Winning Hand with the next intake is happening in August, which is really exciting. Nice. I have to I have to ask, actually, you, you've done well to get that domain name, Dating for Love. That's impressive. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we had to play the long game there. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Well done. 
Yeah. What about no, your uh, social media handles? Yeah, so we're Dating for Love on uh, Instagram and TikTok. And uh, on Facebook, we're RUDFL. Oh, okay, well, we'll have it all in the show notes for everybody. But guys, I just want to acknowledge you both. You're a true power couple. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah, really are. And I've, I've learned a lot and I think our listeners are going to get so much out of it and just really enjoy chatting to you both yeah. hearing different perspectives. So I just want to say thank you. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Thanks guys. For Thanks us. so much for organizing it. All the best. Dee, wasn't that episode just awesome? Oh, mate, I got so much out of it. I'm sure you did too. And of course, thank you to everyone who listened. Guys, if you haven't already, go and subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For sure. And please leave us a five-star review on Apple. It goes such a long way to helping the show. And of course, you have your chance to get a shout-out. Don't forget to go and follow us over on Instagram as well. What's the Instagram, Dee? It's at D underscore. D-O-S-A-N-D-D underscore. See you next week. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you in the next episode.